Hey, I'm Jenny. And I'm Hillary, and you can call us... The Garden Tarts. You know, kissing lips and breaking hearts. We have been bestest friends for over 25 years, and we love to talk you too. We've had some super ridiculous adventures, and now this podcast, which is pretty much all opinion with a handful of facts thrown in. Why a YouTube podcast? Because as much as we love talking you two, we know you do too. So sit down, grab a drink, and find us on Instagram and Twitter so we can chat. Welcome back. This is part two of oh, Rattle and Hum. Um, yep. Yeah. Last one was a great out. It was a good one. And we want to remind you of just a few things before we get going with the rest of Rattle and Hum. And that is, A, we are accepting questions for a episode on all things listener questions. Anything you got. Anything. Band related, personal related. We may answer them. We may not. But we'll give you a shout out if, if we yeah. Have- answer them you'll be almost famous exactly so send us a message or a tweet either instagram or twitter it's at the underscore garden tarts and while you're at it go ahead and head to our website thegardentarts.com and sign up for our newsletter for soon to be content i'd also like to mention this yeah forcing us to do something about this but we will have special content coming in may for bono's 60th birthday we have no idea what this content is going to be yet but it's going to be wonderful and a huge big deal it's going to be huge huge stay tuned for what that is because we can't wait to find out either i know (laughs) (laughs) something good but i already have plans to go out and have some drinks. Yes. In, on May in 10th. Honor. Well, I'm actually going when it's May 10th. I'm going to start my evening. On May when 9th. It's May 9th in this country, but it's already going to be May 10th in Ireland. Oh, see, that makes a lot of sense. We have yeah. this all planned out. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have something really fun planned. Yeah, on the calendar for drinks. Okay, so in our last episode, we ended with When Love Comes to Town with B.B. King. So I think we should start up this next episode in Graceland. Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I think critics dislike <laughs> <laughs> the album because of Larry Mullen Jr. at Graceland. <laughs> he starts off talking. He's sitting in a kitchen with a cup of tea. And it just seems really out of touch with life in general. Yeah. But he said, and I mean, he had a good, he had a great point and he said it very well, but then he kind of, he loved Elvis because Elvis didn't just play a car salesman. He played (laughs) a car salesman that played guitar in his movies. He actually liked the movies. And then Larry said something that he was a, he had a job once that he was a glorified messenger boy. Yeah. Am I correct about that? You're correct about that. And oh my God, you had a job once. It just really sounds and I mean very out he of wasn't touch. that old. He wasn't that far away from I mean, he was only seven years outside of having an album. And that's just not reality right there. Right. 
But that said, if you've got to be a car salesman, you should be a car salesman that plays guitar. It was really interesting. And then in hindsight, that Larry has tried to have a little bit of an acting career. Right. Uh, but, you know, Larry says he wish Elvis hadn't been buried <laughs> in the backyard. Backyard. <laughs> I don't I don't want to laugh at Larry because I'm laughing, but I don't want to because so none of us want our idols to be buried beautiful. in the backyard. Right. He's so adorable in that movie. He's so beautiful and just young. Yeah. Larry. I mean, man, what a pretty face. It obviously means so much to him. Obviously. I get that. He named his child Elvis, right? Something like that. Something like that. You know, it, it shows them being very serious about going through. Very serious. Very serious th- going through Graceland, which I've never been there. I would like to go. I've never been there either. We need to go there. That seems stupid. That Let's we go been there, there and have a podcast. Aaron Elvis. Aaron Elvis. Mullen. Of course. Junior. <laughs> It's the grandson of Larry Mullen Sr. His son, Junior's son, is Aaron Elvis. Yes. Okay, we got that. Larry Mullen Jr. Sr.'s son. Aaron Elvis Mullen. Presley. Presley. (laughs) Junior. (laughs) Okay, anyway. They're in Graceland. They're touring. I cannot believe they let having been a, a former museum professional that they let cameras into this facility. But then they get to the point where Larry wants to sit on the Harley and Bono sweet talks. He uses currency. <laughs> <laughs> a poor Southern, not poor. Yeah. Like I'm sure she's got money. I mean, but swindled like she was tricked. Hoodwinked. Yes. Naive Southern tour guy. What kind of fine did they have to pay for showing Larry on that bike? I don't know, but again, watching it with my brother Jeremy this weekend, he was like, you know, that lady, what was her reaction when she saw the movie? They had to have known. There had to have been permissions. Somewhat, except no, no, somebody stands in front of the camera. Yeah. So... What happens, okay, Bex, what happens is that Bono goes over to this very 80s-looking southern <laughs> tour, tour guide. guide of sorts, yeah. She, he puts his arm around her, and he says, what Harley Davidson means to this man, you could not know. <laughs> and uh, you would not know, I apologize, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. exact words. But anyway, she's like, she laughs, and she's like blushing, and she's like, how about the snowmobile? <laughs> Anything but the Harley. Like, <laughs> no one wants to see Elvis's snowmobile. Fuck that. Snow in Memphis. That's what I was going to say. He lives in the South. No. No one wants to see Elvis's snowmobile. I'm sorry. I would rather see Elvis's skateboard. <laughs> His moped. But no one wants to see the snowmobile. Oh, yeah. It's the Harley. It's the fucking Harley lady. Yeah. So needless to say, there is video footage of Larry on the Harley. And then a gentleman walks in front of the camera to prevent that being filmed. Yeah. But we still see it. It's still in the movie. Again, having been a former museum professional, rights had to have been signed for that. 
But it's just like Jeremy's, you know, the way he put it in my head is like she was like, oh, you know, maybe I'll be in the movie. And then <laughs> she goes to the movie and she's like, damn, oh, fuck. I went again. <laughs> Foiled again. So, friends, fans, and listeners, if you want to look up a fun Rattle Home outtake, Google or go to YouTube and look up Bono Memphis Squirrels. Because <laughs> it's about the goddamn cutest thing you'll ever see in your whole entire life. And we'll just leave that at that. What a dork. He's such a um, dork. Love him so much. Adorable. So yes. then after the whole heart, after the, well, during this, they're playing Heartland in the background. Yeah. And this is actually a really cool story, Heartland. When the band was living in the LA area, putting this whole thing together, at some point, Bono and Adam got a car. Was it a Jeep? I forget. The Jeep. They rented a Jeep. Rented a Jeep, and they drove from L.A. to Louisiana. I never knew this story until I researched. Yeah. Well, it's it's detailed in YouTube by YouTube. There's a whole bunch of stuff about the car broke down, and they got this ride, and they got that ride, and they met Adam this. Adam said he drove and Bono navigated because he would never let Bono, Bono drive. drive. But you can say otherwise that he's not a bad driver. He was not a bad driver. No. But I like to think that he was caring about our lives. Right. I've also seen people driving around Kalini, and they're fucking insane. Well, I mean, those roads are insane. While in Dublin City, it's more organized. But I did feel safe in the car. Thank goodness. I will do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Even if he was driving. I'd get on a fucking NASCAR him. raceway with that guy. <laughs> I would sign my death wish right there. <laughs> but it's about their, their, they drove America. And the people they met and everything. So Heartland is really, it's a little, I like to think it's a little love story between him and Adam and them and America. I love this story. And I had, it went way further in my imagination. Like Adam said that they would drive for, you know, a day and then stop for a couple hours in like a motel or something. Right. And then get up and drive for a day or whatever. And I guess people didn't quite recognize Bono enough yet that they could still do that. Right. In my imagination, though, they were, like, arguing, like, I paid for McDonald's yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I put gas in the car this morning. Oh God, probably ate so much fast food. I'm sure. Disgusting. Really gross. But, I mean, in my imagination, that's, like, they, you know, they, like, argued, like, no, I have the radio. And... <laughs> Well, in hindsight, it's just this cute little, like, best friend loves him. Right. I feel like I want to write a sitcom about that. I, I think that would be great. I would call it, of course, Heartland. Yes, as you would. Yeah. There is this great story about them ending up getting a ride from some guy who was like, wait, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, whatever. And they get in the car, and the guy was actually listening to you two. Or no, like, Streets was on the radio, and so they were, like, pretending to, like, not be really excited about hearing Streets on the radio. And then the next song came on, and it was this big, bad, booming, like, song. <laughs> and it was Pour Some Sugar on Me. <laughs> and they realized that what people wanted to hear was stuff that sounded good on their stereo systems. Yeah a big loud noise and they said that they both made a mental note that for the next album and they needed to sound like that 
Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. alert. <laughs> <laughs> they did it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> anyway, if you have YouTube by YouTube, that book, to find that story. It's, it's a really great it's story. It's great. It's not like a paragraph. It's like pages. It's really cool. I'm pretty sure that Heartland was written during Joshua Tree. Is it true that they Heartland wasn't quite done yet, so they did Trip Through Your Wires on Joshua Tree instead? Yes. It was one or the other. Yeah. Which I find interesting because I think Trip Through Your Wires doesn't sound as studio finished as every other track on the album. I yes, have no, I have no complaint. sounds like that. almost like a one track take. Yeah. Which I, I think that's really which I love. Yeah. I love it, it too. Yeah. And I don't always love that sound, but I love it on Trip Through Your Wires. But which is interesting though because they said Heartland wasn't finished and so I read a quote by Edge, which I had, had pages and pages before, but he said that everything on this on Rattle and Hum was finished. Every lyric, every song, everything was finished. I had that quote from Larry. Oh, maybe Larry said it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's they share things. Yeah. So maybe they both said it. Yeah. I have a similar quote from Larry. I should. I believe that very much so. Yeah. They are all finished. Well, on the this note of uh, being in LA, a lot of the studio songs were recorded there. Apparently, there was much debauchery that edge and his family had a home mm-hmm. and then a couple miles down adam and bono and Allie and larry and ann had a home together and yeah. all they did was party and edge felt like you know he was the grown-up mixing stuff and editing stuff and getting songs yeah. together and would say uh, he would go hide and throw himself into the album yeah because his marriage was also falling apart yeah, he said he'd hide in his car too. Like, yeah. how much money do I have to? How he far? He was gonna run. He was gonna run away. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he really was, but I mean, well, not really. But he was in just a not good place. Poor thing. Poor guy. And and poor thing to his wife too. That's not a, That's just not a ideal situation. No, not for any of them. No. Yeah, he had the whole family there, young kids and the wife in their own place and. Yeah, absolute debauchery for the rest yeah. of the band. Bono talked about going into a bar and some guy saying, like, hey, that's the guy that wrote the Martin Luther King song. The guy that wrote the Martin Luther King song just tried to break my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the whiskey. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I imagine that was uh, that was some good times. I'm sure they had a blast. Well, Being some- young and... Aside from Edge. Yeah. I mean, he was young, too. He already had a young family. Yes. When was Jordan born? I just read this. She was born on Bono's birthday in 89. 89. Okay. So this was before. This was right before. Yes. She was born right before they did the Love Town tour. Yeah. Oh, so then can we go to the next song? Yes, we can. Let's get in there. The next song is Bad with snippets of Ruby Tuesday and Sympathy for the Devil, which was all apparently just meant to go together. Yes. The universe pulled these things together for us. I don't feel that Ruby Tuesday always is fluid with bad, but oh my God, Sympathy for the Devil. The devil, it's amazing. So I have this little vision in my head of, you know, I'm sorry, this is like Bono, it probably one of his finest 
If you're looking for a sexy rock god, the hair and the sweaty suspender. He's got some. He's got some Jim Morrison moves too. Very Jim Morrison. I can't believe I just used sweaty suspenders in the same (laughs) sex. (laughs) Do that again. I want to hear. No. With another story, you could use those that term. But I just have this vision, this idea of him, like because you know we see him being interviewed, and he's just kind of like this. He seems like a little introvert in the interview. Of him like watching the movie in production, and he goes, "God damn, that does work." I'm a sexy rock god. Okay. Okay. Mr. Sweaty Suspenders. <laughs> sweaty Suspenders. That's my rattle and hum cover band. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, it's ama- I mean, this song is so amazing in this movie. So, I literally have written down in my notes, oh, the cummerbund gives him a waist. <laughs> <laughs> This is where he has those pants, though, that come up. Well, he his... takes the pump on it. He takes the scarf right. off. Wait, so you need that. You need the scarf and the sweaty suspenders. But not just off. that's not just enough overkill. He's got two crosses on, and then he holds up a rosary with a cross on it. Yeah. And then he does, you know, the cross thing with his arms. I got that actually from... You talking you two to me. Yeah. Hashtag Mr. Adam Scott. The Scott. They mentioned the cross overload for that. It's a lot. Well, now he wears like 10. That's fine. It just seems like when you're not wearing anything else but sweaty suspenders and a <laughs> lot of sweaty crosses. <laughs> crosses. That just might not be the look you're going for. Like, God damn, he's working it. He is working it. Working and his it. hair, he's got that long bob going on and it's really happening i really hope that he embraced that as much as the rest of the world i hope he did i'm sure he did i'm sure how can you, you know not? exactly what the fuck he if was you doing look like that you would know it <laughs> the, the only reason to look like that is because you know it right exactly that's the only reason but it's also though the lead singer complex where it's like you know they have little self-esteem and overcompensate so he's like oh man i look ugly and then you're all like no you look hot and he's like oh you think so really well if you say so Uh, my answer is always when a singer says that to me i'm always like well if you think you're ugly then you must be ugly so when i was watching this and my 12 year old was in the room and i had on screen and she looks up and she's like is that bono he looks weird (laughs) <laughs> it's okay honey she only knows him as an older man so right there you go distinguished distinguished i don't mean old. i don't right. mean an old man i just mean older is the years of now so <clears throat> i did laugh at this song because i was thinking about when we were reviewing and talking about under a blood red sky how they got all fancy with the slow-mo there's a fancy slow-mo section in this song that is not needed Definitely not needed. Like, just let it be. But it's almost it's like, look at, look at everything you're missing. It's slow motion, so we see it all. Right. There's a really, really cool shot with Adam. Like, it looks like his shadow with the light around them. It's really pretty. For once, the camera looks at someone else. Right. There's a, And I can't remember what song it is, but there's something where Adam just looks very mean and aggressive. Yeah. 
wonder yeah. what it is. I can't remember. It's not that important to research it. Just believe me. Okay. Can we skip to the next song? Because I'm really excited about it. Yep. So the next song is Where the Streets Have No Name. So you know my dad. And my dad brought me, raised me in the live concert world. And my dad is a big fan of big TVs. (laughs) I don't remember when he became smitten with this moment. And it's not when the screen turned red. It's when, like, the helicopter goes through Sun Devil Stadium and shows the whole stadium with the lights all lit up. Our first really big, good TV we had, he would put, he would be like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I got to cue something up. And this is how he presented the TV to guests. Oh, gosh. Was with this song. So this song just always reminds me of my dad. And I took him to a Pop Mart show when Streets came on. That was like one of the best moments of my life. Speed with streets with my dad. Well, he's got some good taste. It's just everything. It's been years and years and years since he mentioned it, but just the last time we were together, he was like, "Remember that shot from Sun Devil Stadium?" (laughs) So, where the streets have the name is obviously one of the most iconic live U two songs, and it's because of this performance. And it's not just that; it's always red. It's always red. I love it. Like, it's just, oh my gosh, I've chills. I put a little picture in our workbook and I have chills just looking at the picture. And it's funny because then watching it in Rattle and Hum, it's just not that big. The red's yeah. not actually that big. But it's still it's, just so iconic. But I remember, I do remember this. I mean, we talked about this how the first time I saw you two live and I was like, I don't remember hearing Streets live, but I do remember. And then I remember being like, please be red. Please be red. Please, like, I didn't know if it would still be red. Like, was it red? It was. Yeah. Okay. It's right. a moment when the white lights come on. That's the big moment. Yeah. I, the first I time in the movie, it turns color. It is the first time. I'm a little torn because they really should have started off the movie with street. Yeah. Well, they start the shows start with street. It's, right. That's a good question for Bono over Whiskey and Cake. Was, why is the track list for the movie and the album so different than the tour set list? Right. I mean, there's no better way to start a U2 show than the street. Yeah. So interesting, this is a side note. So this is the beginning of the recordings at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona, December 20th, 1987. This is the last night of the American tour. Fun fact, eight days before they recorded this, they were in Hampton, Virginia. They but were. I was kind of little and I didn't go. Yeah. I mean, I was old enough, but I don't think I was literally big enough. I was little. Your parents had to take you. And they wouldn't take me. But right. I certainly understand that as an adult, I wouldn't have wanted me to be there either. I just wasn't concert ready yet. All my friends, their parents, like, dropped them off. Oh, and yeah. I just was really wasn't in terms of my... It's a big thing. It's huge. ...stature or maturity level or whatever. Oh. I don't think I could have handled... Though it wasn't general admission. There was no general admission then. So they were in Virginia and then Arizona? Yeah. That's a strange progression. Well, I mean, they maybe stopped somewhere else in between, but they played Hampton on... Uh, December 11th and 12th. Okay. Flash forward 10 years, I saw them play the last show of Pop Mart on December 12th of 1997 in Seattle, Washington. You sure did. 
But that was 10 years to the day that they played Hampton that I didn't go to. Oh, you kind of made up for it. I made up for it. I have no qualms about that at all. My parents did the right thing. Oh, no. They definitely went from Hampton to Tempe. That makes (laughs) no sense. No sense at at all. all. Mm -mm. And why they played, except they played two shows. No, they did not. I take that back. I was going to say they play two shows everywhere, but they did not. But why they play two nights in Hampton, I also do not know. Except that maybe they were rehearsing. Oh, they were getting ready for that gig, yeah. I don't know, but they play December 11th and 12th in Hampton, and then December 19th and 20th in Tempe. (gasps) Could you imagine two home shows? I can't imagine. God, no. But die. Good and bad die. Good and bad die. I just think about that all the time, like... Like, oh my god, what if <laughs> what if they played Hampton again, which they never would because it's a very, very small venue. But what if they played Hampton again and I just had to drive like three miles <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> to the stadium? I would start that line in a second. I'd start it a week before. Right? I'm kidding. I would not because you shouldn't do that. No. When they played Cleveland on the Josh Retreat Tour, I was like, do I fucking start the line? And everyone's like, no! no. <laughs> I feel like... I feel Someone like will Hampton... start the line and you go get, like, some of the first numbers. I feel like, like okay. Hampton is more doable. Because yeah. who the hell is going to Hampton for... I don't want to go there. I work there sometimes, and I don't even want to go to Hampton. Sorry, Hampton, XOXO. But, I mean, can you imagine if the show was that close to my house, Jenny? Oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. I would rule the world. You could shower. Could shower all the stuff. You could pee in your own potty. I know. I can pee anywhere. It's pooping. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to pack your stuff. No, but you know what? I feel like, man, people will come out of the woodwork for me for that one. I'm like, sorry, you guys, I can't get you tickets. And I nope. can't, can't tell you how to get up front. Nope. Because, I mean, I'm really, busy. I don't know how to get up front. No, we don't know at all. No, we really, really don't believe no. that. No, I mean, I want you to believe that, people. So speaking of up front, the next song is MLK. And it is beautiful. The That, I, that wasn't supposed to be a smooth transition, by the way. No. <laughs> yeah, it's just so beautifully filmed. Gorgeous. And you, yes. I was just going back and listening and editing some of our earlier episodes to just make them a little more listenable now that we've learned so much. And you called MLK Sacred Ground. It is, isn't it? And I was out walking the dog, listening to it, and I like stopped in my tracks. Oh, I just got and I've heard you say that a bunch of times, but every time it just... Truer words have never been spoken. It's beautifully shot, and Bono sounds amazing. Amazing. And it's just him on the stage. It's a silhouette, and he's backlit by a light, and I'm not sure anything else needs to be said. No, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. It's color. We're still in the color phase. Yeah. It doesn't look, I mean, there's no color to be seen. I mean, it's like kind of purple and blue or something. Yeah. But it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And, like, then I think, you know, I get the starkness of the black and white, but if they had filmed all the movie like that, it yeah. would just be breathtaking. Oh, I'm sure it would have been amazing. I don't know. I'm a fan of the black and white. I really think it. I am, too. I just, looking well. back at the 80s 
and looking back at Anton pictures and stuff. Yeah. It's like all very stark. And I don't believe that's you too. Like that's, right. you know, they got captured in that. They got stuck in that or something. It's just the color parts are just as much you too as the black and white. And the color's gorgeous. Just absolutely gorgeous. And that, this isn't even like super high definition stuff. This no, is just it's definitely not. It's just gorgeous. Um, yeah. So should we move on to the next song? Which is showing makes you happy. So I believe this to be probably the most beautiful video anything in, in Rattle and Hum. And it breaks yes. my heart that this actually version wasn't on the, the album. album. This song deserved, with or without you, deserved to be on the album. And I agree, but I wonder if part of the, so much of the beauty is that it's video. It wasn't on, you, you totally could be right about that. I mean, we'll never know, but it's just so beautiful. And how they have, that Bono is lit from grates underneath him. Yes. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, he looks friggin' amazing. Again, he's like... Maybe I am a sexy beast. Yeah, hmm. you re- yeah, and I mean, I don't like to say that because he's like, you know, my uncle. He's like not sexual person to me. But I think it's okay. But he's like, super I can sexy. look at you. Like I can look at you on days. You know, we're gonna. I'm like, damn, you look good, girl. You oh, know, you. I can say that about you as well. Yeah, like so you're right. We're we're I- allowed to enjoy the beauty of this moment. He looks friggin' amazing in that. Friggin and amazing. I don't think he's ever looked that good before or since then. I mean, if he was ever a sexy beast, it is these it's, three minutes. It is this. And it I, it has to be said, the best... Oh, God, I want to cry. The best part of the song is the end when he says, yeah, we'll shine like stars. Yeah. Because that is... Okay, maybe not sacred ground, but it's sacred something else. Yes. <laughs> Sacred air. Everything about that, with or without you in Rattle and Hum, everything about it is absolute perfection. His voice, everything. I can't rave about with or without you enough. I hope he loves it as much as we do. I hope so. Because it's hands down my... It's gorgeous. My favorite part of Rattle and Hum by yeah. leaps and bounds. I um had this friend growing up they had a movie theater in the basement of their home. It was really kind of insane. And we would go down there and we'd put on Rattle and Hum. And she'd get like all like weirdly worked up this part. And I'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> but now I'm kind of wondering like, what the fuck was wrong with me? <laughs> so I also just had this revelation. You know, I'm... Not always a huge fan of With or Without You live. Yeah. And I think it's just because every performance has to be compared to this performance from Rattle and Hum. Yeah. And nothing's ever going to be that good. Because I, I do have a love-hate relationship with With or Without You. Because it's one of my all-time favorite songs. But I, I just live, if, if you can't make it that good, I don't know. It's not my... Yeah. Uh, I used to think it was the song that we could, like, was hit or miss. Something happened on the Josh Retreat tour that recaptured that magic for me. I got that. I definitely, Um, I mean, it definitely was a a high point of the 
Joshua Tree tour. But prior yeah. to that, I mean, he he talks through the song mostly, and it just I don't yeah. know, but it it is because I compare every performance of With or Without You to this performance of With or Without You, and it makes sense. Lightning doesn't strike twice, so no. Definitely not with U2 stuff, because they're not great at repeating themselves exactly the way that no. they did before. Anyway, God, I just, I really can't say enough about it. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, let's leave it as it is. Yes. So we cut to Adam in a bar, and he says, there are people who say you shouldn't mix politics or sport in music, and I think that's kind of bullshit. It is. It so is. I have put that quote on my Facebook page sometimes just because I love it and I get the weirdest response like people that are like oh did you not know that the you know 60s and the folk music and I'm just like do you know me I know you don't have to explain to me why those things should be why that's not bullshit I understand that it's a quote yeah did you just meet me right because holy crap, man! But I've posted it several times, and I've gotten really bizarre reaction from several people several times. That's really weird. Um, but so we segue into Star Spangled Banner, a la Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock, and Bullet the yeah. Blue Sky. Right. Which, when you think about it, Bullet the Blue Sky is Rattle and Hum. They took the lyric. Yes. Rattle and Hum from Bullet the Blue Sky and the cover of the album, the movie poster, is from Rattle um, and Hum. The light on the spotlight on However, it's not from this performance. No, it's because not. the spotlight is different. Yes. But it's still from that song. Yes. Because we've already gone so in depth with Bullet the Blue Sky on other episodes. I have written down for this that by now Edge looks less like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does he have he doesn't have the playing card in his hat does he no well unless it's on the other side but he's not wearing that like native american vest anymore he's wearing like regular clothes yeah he just had it oh, i he really, really embraced the americas man he was really confused i think they were all just a little bit confused I mean, they were probably like any of us going to any foreign country and trying to dress the part and just getting it all wrong. Right. I don't know. When I went to Ireland the first time, yeah, I wore this very, I think, very awesome American outfit, and I got picked to go into a bar out of a line. Oh. Well, there you go. I was, I was wearing patent leather Doc Martens and a red plaid skirt and a pleather jacket and a... <sighs> cap sleeve mock turtleneck from the limited Ooh, well they probably figured that you were american yeah as we have learned the bar scene tends to get excited when americans are around i just never felt so cool in my whole life as i did that and then i Uh, went into the bar and i met a friggin' american guy (laughs) like what the hell i didn't go all the way to ireland to meet a guy that lives in dc oh my god he was from dc DC. He said your neighbor. Ridiculous shit. And he knew, like, we knew the same, some of the same people. And I'm just like, that's stupid. He was hot and all, but I didn't go there to meet an American. Anyway, but um, Bones of Blue Sky, it's just an iconic performance. Very iconic. Also filmed in 
Sun Devil Stadium, Tempe, yeah. December 20th, 1987. Yeah. Should we move on to the next song? Yeah. Well, some of these songs we've talked about, these are Joshua Tree songs we've talked about so in depth. And the next song is Running the Stand Still, which again, I wonder, when did Bono learn to play harmonica? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I think we discussed before on Joshua Tree that he always played harmonica from the very beginning. I know, but, but just, I, every time he brings it out, I wonder, when did you learn to play harmonica? Right. I always forget. Also, though, in this song, he does play guitar, and I don't know what he's playing, but it's not what is going on with the song. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden he's playing, like, dueling banjos or something <laughs> in the middle of running a standstill and it's like i mean we can hear you and you're playing some quality music it just doesn't match to running a standstill that said it is an amazing performance it is beautiful i love it it is gorgeous i love it's the still run-ins at the end yeah it's one of my favorite performances of the movie but that said what the hell is bono playing on the guitar because he really big... does it sounds like dueling banjos at one point that's like the question to ask the universe. So now we get to a song and a performance that we have referenced before. We've been waiting to talk about this performance of Sunday Bloody Sunday. There's a snippet of the band at the point with this, and Otto says he's not even sure that this song should be in the film because it was that day that the bombing happened in, in Iskillen, and he figured it would be long and forgotten. And that this says- particular... what. He says, we'll soon long since be forgotten. We'll soon long since be forgotten. Which doesn't make any sense, except Jeremy was like, this could either be the smartest thing anyone's ever said or the stupidest thing anyone's ever said. And I'm like, spotting dimes and eating onions. Yep. That's but our he bonnet. figured that it would be, it just wouldn't be relevant yeah. ever, like within months of it happening but as i don't know about your experience but this was my introduction to the troubles in northern ireland yeah I, I mean i definitely this definitely was a huge introduction to me this was back in denver and uh, yeah. it was november 8th 87 back to black and white footage of the movie and like as they were getting on stage they get the news that uh, 11 people were killed and I fact-checked it. It was on a Sunday. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So 11 people died. It was a bombing in Northern Ireland, like you said, in a skillin. It was a and Remembrance was, Day parade. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, like Veterans Day. It was awful. Like, Bonner's rant is for real. And again, like I was telling my brother, that's legit. Because, again, he's not that good of an actor. Right. So his emotion is so raw. I mean, I think that, you know, it, it's 50-50, his iconic performance of Sunday Bloody Sunday at Live Aid, and, okay, maybe, so it's it's not. It's 33-33-33. Under a Blood Red Sky and Rattle and Hum, I mean, you can't beat those three performances of uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday, but, but this one... Well, it's just, and we had said that this... Ocean. This song, the anger is in the words on war, but not in the vocals. And it seems to have literally been written for this specific performance. Right. Like it is never and, needed any other time. Absolutely. I mean, I can't even imagine how they felt going on stage 
that night. Mm-mm. Like, that must have been rough, you know? And uh, Bono, his speech is just so brutal yeah. and necessary for the day. He says, fuck the revolution. If I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know the speech. But yeah. I'm sure you haven't heard it in a while. So go back and watch it. Yeah, because it's, it's really amazing. It is. I mean, if you're going to capture a moment, do it like that. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can hear it in his voice, like his voice cracks. And yeah. I can't say enough about that because he says it all. I don't think there's anything else to say about it. Yeah. But great go back and watch it. Also, I do think that Bono said that after that performance, he wasn't sure they would ever perform it again. Yeah, I, you've said that before, and I think I remember hearing him say that. That was it. And spoiler alert, he played Keeps it. coming. Okay, yeah. so we should hit up the next song, which is in the movie and on the, the album. album, which God knows why. Because it's just an okay performance. But it's a huge song. It is. Huge. How do you have pride on the album and not with or without you? Like, it's just... Because it's America. I know. And it makes sense. It's not my favorite song. Yeah, ditto. But, okay, so we're back to black and white. You're totally right. It's America. It was needed. It should be on the album. It should be in both. For writing a love song to America, this should be there. When you talked about on In God's Country, how we just looked happy, it's same in this out, same in this song. Absolutely right. I remember watching this for the very, very first time with my friend Allie in high school, <laughs> like, and seeing him like hold out the microphone and smiling while the he- audience is singing along, and I remember like, oh my God, he's so happy. Yes, it's great. Yep. And that's all we need to know. Next. Okay. Oh, we're into the heart of the songs that aren't on the movie. We are. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for this stuff. This song. So it's Hawkman 269, which I know that has been one of your favorites for a very long time. Longer than anyone knew. (laughs) And this has fallen so deep into my heart in the last month. I've always liked it, but I just, I keep like rewinding. I keep like, go back, go back, go back. I want them to do this song. Remember the the BBC special not too long ago with like the orchestra? Yes. And they made lights of home with the big, huge drums. Oh gosh, yeah. Did you imagine this? Did you imagine this with Mm. an orchestra? No. I, I mean, it would be so amazing. God. I just, this song to me is the best thing. I, I've i always had such a connection with Hawkmoon 269. It was recorded in Sunset Studios, Hollywood, California. So I find this a little funny. Bono says that the song was a tribute to Sam Shepard, who had a book that was called Hawkmoon. Ed says... No. <laughs> I've heard Bono say that a million times. But Edge says it was named after a place that they went to in Rapid City, South Dakota called Hawkmoon. I'm going to go with Edge's story just because... I've read that more at least twice from Edge and maybe once from Bono. They came across it when they were on the Conspiracy of Hope tour. Yes. But this is... I have... Bono talks about it. Sam Shepard. He talks about Sam Shepard a lot, but but specifically, I have seen several quotes that he said it's a tribute 
to Sam Shepard's book, Hawkmoon. Apparently, also, this song took three weeks to finish, and they call it Hawkmoon 269 because it was the 269th take that ended up on. So this is really interesting because I read this from Larry. He said that, you know, when they were working in a studio in Dublin and they had their usual people, the usual people were able to guide them and understand what they were doing and how they were doing it and to help them get to a finished product because they understand the band's process. When they were working in California and they had Jimmy Ivan working with them, it was very hands-off. So they didn't have that direction to help people get to their final goal. So this was like, they were lost in the dark with this for 269 times. Right. Well, Jimmy Ivan would say, you need to do this, and then he'd leave and let them do it. Right. Like so there was no handholding. No, that wasn't it. And apparently, I guess Brian Eno, who I love, and uh, Danny Lanois are handholders. And oh my God, we just have to accept the fact that they are very good handholders. They are good handholders. I just feel like Brian Eno is a, what do I say? Bengali Rasputin? <laughs> no. <laughs> what do you call him? <laughs> That's what he is. Brian Eno, this Bengali Rasputin, is a handholder. And a con artist. And a con artist. Yet he makes helps them make some of the best music they ever make. Okay. okay. Can we love can we just love to hate him? I love to hate him. I'm sorry, Brian Eno. I'm sure you're a wonderful man. I just Obviously I our hear, band loves you. I hear him when I hear him, I hear him and I don't wanna do I don't wanna hear Brian Eno, I wanna hear you too. Yeah. And that's why he's a Svengali Rasputin. So at the very beginning of the song, we get to hear Bono's low register. Yes, I love which it. Which I don't I don't know where else we hear that. No, but I really think he would do a good job of that now. Yeah. So something really interesting, I've didn't realize how much I love this phase of Bono's voice. Yeah. I love it so much. And I just read something recently, a handful in a handful of different places that he was trying to sing like a black man. And it's just in the recent years, I don't know, maybe the recent decade that he's come to terms with the fact that he's actually white. (laughs) (laughs) Pink, he says. He's like, I'm actually pink. And I do much better singing as a white man than trying to sing like a black man. You know, God damn, I love this version of his voice. I love voice. it too. But I also, and I think that he says that, I mean, he said it several times, but wasn't it in between Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree, he started smoking because he wanted to, to Keep lower it his voice? His, yeah. In recent years, he says smoking actually took off a register instead of. Surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thunk that smoking would... But that would fuck you up. <laughs> right, who would have thunk that? But anyway, these lyrics are just nuts. His vocals, everything about this song is just... I mean, this is poetry beyond... Oh my god. I think it's got to be one of his top lyrics ever. Ed says uh, that this is also one of his favorite songs off this album. It's just there are amazing. three that he mentioned, and this is the second one. First was Desire, and then this. And I'll tell you the third when we get there. Okay. Is it also my favorite? I'll tell you when we get there. Oh, can't wait to find out. Yeah, so I just got it. This song is just 
perfection to me. Uh, it is in my top 10. Also, I don't know, for 20 years or so, I have used the example number 269. Yeah. And it took a very long time for my friends to get what I was saying there. And it was I just recently mix- started doing it. <laughs> it was Mick that was like, wait a minute. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, so then I went, I'm like, I have been doing this for like 20 years. So I put in my email, in my Gmail, that I never delete anything but like sales stuff, whatever. If it's a personal email, I keep it. Yeah. And I looked up 269. Mm -hmm. And the first mention of that was from like 05, 04. Yeah. That was just when I got my Gmail. That wasn't when I started that. But it took so, and I don't, I kind of always thought that everybody knew what I was talking about when I said it. But but when Mick called me out on it, it was like all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never knew that that was what the 269, I didn't understand that. Right. I just mm-hmm. took those numbers and used them as an example. And now we what do you- it all the time. Like, what do you think 268 sounded like? Or 157? Like, what? <laughs> number 12. I have some Bono quotes for this song. Okay. He says, I'm sure there was enormous sexual frustration in the performance of that song. I don't know how long we've been away, but at this point, we were fully grown men, 26, 27, 28. We were recording in Sunset Sound, Sunset Strip, hookers, every neon sign advertising sex in some way. You could feel all that coming through in Hawk Moon. Larry says, it shows you where we were at. We had lost the ability to make good decisions. So I think my question... Um, we went from hookers to we just lost the ability to make good decisions. So I guess my question over uh, whiskey and cake is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what? I need to know yeah. more about this. Or maybe not. Yeah, mm-mm. No. <laughs> Just leave it. Leave yeah. it. That's I think that my other question to Bono would be, would you ever consider please, ever please, 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 please playing Hawk Moon 269 live? God, but it, God, I just, this song is just so special to me. Oh my God. Like, it's, it's like sweet so... soul music, like sunlight. I need your love. And that is it. That is the lyric that, that gets me every time, like a rhythm unbroken, like drums in the night, like sweet soul music, like sunlight. And that's not, God, that's just beautiful poetry. And there's this funny little part where when the night has no end as the day yet to begin, as the room spins around, like room goes sharp. Right. And it just like, there's something, I can't think of an instance any other time where they like break key for one. Right word as the room yeah but i mean what a better way to describe a hangover right it's all in it it's a hangover yeah (laughs) i think it would have been fun thinking up all of these lyrics all the like us the only thing i don't want is a suit stain no i still like my question huh huh Huh? what like black coffee like nicotine the lyrics are amazing but it's just the whole rhythm and movement of the song how do you feel about the girls singing in this song about the girls singing in hawk moon mm-hmm. at the end i don't know i never thought about it i don't think i just like it i must not i just yeah. don't like 
the ones from Red Light. Okay. I think that's my only. Uh, that's that's my particular only one. Yeah. Na 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 na. I don't, don't like it. Coconuts out. <laughs> so we were like I was talking about. I was going back and listening to some of our old episodes, and we were talking about that Red Light and Surrender, and you were like. All I can think is prostitutes in. <laughs> that's another and I just can't wait to get to that content. Yeah. And that's your direction. Prostitutes in. There's a direction given. It's got to be a great story. So we should just tease that that's from the If God Would Send His Angels video shoot. We were very honored to be involved. And we're going to do a whole episode yeah, it was December 1st, 1997 mm-hmm. in Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, right outside Detroit, Michigan. It was, was no it, fresh, fresh news. news. We were misled. We were it misled. was also crappy catering and uh, burnt cornbread. Burnt cornbread from Boston Market. Oh, but then we have a whole episode on that. That's going to be You awesome. guys are going to love this story. Stay tuned. We have no idea when it's going to. We're going to. It'll be around pop. We're going to dangle that one for a little while. Yeah. Prostitutes in. No Go watch the video. You'll see them. You'll see what we're talking about. God will send his angels. And make sure you're not watching the one that's from City of Angels. Watch the actual no, YouTube. The one in the diner. Yeah. Not, not like the one that screen. has the Nicolas Cage stuff going on. Big the, Ryan. The clips from... City of Angels because yeah, that's just not... one. Oh my gosh. The song Vin Vendor stole from the Beatles. <laughs> We're stealing it back. We'll get to that later. Love Rescue Me is next. Love Rescue Me. Lyrics by Bob Dylan and Bono. Music by U2 recorded Sun Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, November 30th, 87. What I find really interesting is that there's a comment about this song. It says, how much of the finished product is Bono and how much is Dylan remains unclear. <laughs> Apparently there are like 17 more verses. And the only thing they all had in common was that they ended with love. Rescue me. So Dylan actually recorded lead vocals for the track. But it says, which doesn't make any sense. It was withdrawn apparently at Dylan's request because he had a potential clash with his traveling Wilburys commitment. Huh. I mean, who knows? Who knows? But again, I love it. It's unclear how much. So the story goes that Bono woke up one morning, I believe hungover, as you do, and he had this really, really vivid dream, and he thought he heard a Bob Dylan song in his dream, and he wrote it down real quick. And then, as you do, you end up talking to Bob Dylan later that day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as you do and show it to him and say hey is this your song and he says no but it could be i love that the other interesting thing about that is so where bono was when he had that dream and, and came up with the lyrics was at edge's house where yeah. his family was i guess bono busted in on the evans <laughs> you know yeah happy family hideaway and uh Anyway, you know, wrote most of the lyrics, whatever, there. When Edge and his family moved out of the house, then unknown Los Angeles family moved in called the Menendez family. <gasps> yes. And it ended up that the sons 
who's named Eric and brother Menendez ended up <laughs> killing their parents in that house. that house. And the last people to live there before the Menendez family was the Evans family. That is like fucked up. Really super fucked up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. Let's move on. This is a great song. It is a really great song. Let me just say, when they're trying to get that southerny, semi-bluesy sound, this is yeah. it. Oh, that I read something somewhere, as you do, that they played this on some stage, and there were some big people there, and they someone said, some like big person in the blues industry was like, is that your song? And Bono's like, yeah, I wrote it. And the guy said, well, you can't play it. <laughs> in my defense here people have no problem being a smart ass to bono no all you the time say, hey i've gotten that look with simple yeah, questions you, i'm sure you have and <laughs> i just want to know what it's i just want to know what he wrote i just want to know what it said right it looked at me like i my friggin tweenage hormonal daughter <laughs> how dare you look and talk to me like that <laughs> I snorted <laughs> no, I'm just trying to have a normal conversation with you as a human being right. bean? bean? It's I've never been to a YouTube yeah. show Let me, I love Bono and if I'm a smartass it's only because he deserved it it's only because you love him I love him. And it wasn't an entire, when I said it, it wasn't an entire, like, frown. It was more like, well, touche, smartass. Yeah, right? Okay, do you want to move on? I sure do. The next song, we're coming to a close here. We're at God Part 2. God Part 2, which is supposed to be a companion song to God, written by John Lennon. Yeah, I think... Yoko has something about, like, how it's... She basically calls it a cover. Yeah. Bono talks about uh, Albert Goldman, who wrote a scathing book about John Lennon and also about Elvis Presley. Yeah. I read the John Lennon one a million years ago, but I'm not sure that I knew enough to know what was real and what wasn't real. And I feel like if I... If I read it again now, it would be very upsetting to me. But I did not know at the time. But I do know there were a lot of inconsistencies because when I went to the John Lennon exhibit at the Rock Hall in yeah. 2001, a lot, I, I can't think of anything, but I remember walking through that exhibit saying, well, that's not what Albert Goldman said. <laughs> but then at that point, knowing that was bullshit too. Like I knew... Right enough it's a really long book too it's giant i got it from the library years ago anyway it's a great song it's very and i don't mean it in any sort of like overture or anything but it's a very graphic song yes i mean he just describes everything it's amazing some one of them i don't know if it was bono or edge someone said that it's not even like a great song it was just kind of therapy right like it just needed to be said Someone, I have a quote. I don't think this is from the band. I think this is from, no, this is from someone in the band. I'm assuming this is probably Bono. 
He said the whole song came out of a moment where I was worried about what we were doing. That song doesn't actually belong on Rattle and Hum. It's really the first song on Octane Baby. Ooh, I, I can come see that. To the end of nostalgia, and that's the clue. Yeah, nostalgia be gone. Yeah, absolutely. But I remember a critique of this from years ago, and I couldn't even cite where I read it, but it was a complaint, a review, that, and the complaint, I don't believe the 60s is the golden age of pop. And I think that in terms of rock and roll history, it is probably, yeah, the golden age of pop. But that said, when you... You know, like exactly what he says. When you acknowledge that the past was great, then why do you move forward? And that's exactly what he says. And so it's like the argument that was in this article about how the 60s really was the golden age of pop and how dare, you know, an 80s rock star comment on that at all. He says it exactly right there. When you say the past is better than anything else, then why move forward? Exactly. And it's such a great, I think it's such a great line. And I think that, you know, critics back then just totally did not understand any of that. Well, and that whole you glorify the past when the future dries up has just become their mantra. Yeah. If the past was the best, then why move forward? Exactly. I do love that line. It's from Bruce Cockburn. Says he's going to kick the darkness till it bleeds daylight. Yeah, I love that. I mean, if you're going to steal a line, man, steal that one. Right. Don't believe that rock and roll can really change the world. I've never thought of this as a throwaway song. I've always. Oh my God. No, no, no. I never thought of that. I mean, I have looked at it like, man, don't be mad. Like, how dare you be that mad at just a guy that wrote a book? But if you take that out, the rest of the song makes so much sense. It's such a good song. It is, in that I'd never thought about it as the transition song to the next album. Yeah, I never did either. I never heard that until you just said that. And that's... uh, The end of nostalgia. It is so real. It's angry and frustrated. The rich stay healthy, the six stay poor. It's just a... I love it. There's the constant refrain of, I believe in love. It's Yeah. And then, I mean... with the band, it's just, it's a big song. Yeah. Do you, Are you ready to move on to your to your big one? Yeah. Okay, so the next song is All I Want Is You, which is my hands-down favorite U2 song of all time. Hands down, there's no competition. This is my favorite U2 song, and I have always said that. As long always. as you know me, I've said that. It's just... To me, this is this is the song I call you for when we're not yeah. together. Yes, I swear. Every time I have ever heard this song live, I have cried. And it doesn't. You know what? It's just a beautiful song. It doesn't have any particular personal meaning to me. I just think that it's just it's just amazing. It's so well written. It's just the music and. The vocals, it's all beautiful. But I have a... And I know I read one time Bono said it is the companion song of With or Without You. Okay. Again, that was in my early days. I have no idea. I've not read that again during research for this episode Mm -hmm. or any other episode. But to me, it's a conversation. And again, like With or Without You, it's not a very nice conversation. So it's like two speakers. One speaker says... 
you know, you say you want diamonds on a ring of gold. You say you want your sword of man untold. And then the second person says, when all I want is you. So, like, they want all this stuff. And then the second person says, I just want you. So then the second person then says, you said you'll give me all of this stuff, riches in the night, eyes on a moon of blindness, a river in a time of dryness. But all the promises we make from the cradle to the grave, when all I want is used. The second person, again, is saying, I don't need all of these promises. I don't need all of these objects. I just want you. When you think about that stuff, it's not nice. But it comes across as being this beautiful song. I have a friend who, this was his wedding song this is what he and his wife and years and years ago when he told me that i was like what why would you pick that song do you not hear the lyrics and i think i had to have had a few drinks because i would not have said that (laughs) to someone in any sort of sober fashion because it's not very nice to say that but years and years later when he got divorced he was like yeah yeah (laughs) maybe that wasn't such a good idea and i'm like you don't. You need to listen to lyrics before you pick it as your wedding right? song. That's just just because it's pretty doesn't mean it's pr- it's right. Like loving. people, yeah. Like people say that about everything, with or without you. People say it about every breath you take. Hashtag sting. Yeah. That's not a pretty. That's not a nice song. No. That's a stalker song. In fact, they should have that on the soundtrack of the show I'm watching on Netflix. You, you. There you go. Because. It would be very appropriate for that. But anyway, all I want is you. I just, I can't say enough about it. But I would love to hear you say something about it. It's beautiful. And I always love hearing this song. But just recently, having just dived so hard into this album, which I know that we went on and on about how we were like not looking forward to this because it was complicated with the two different formats and how we're excited for Octon Baby. But like, God, I just, this album is so fun. It and I love fun. it so much. And some of the songs are so big to then all of a sudden, all I wanted you to happen, just like, I just be in the car, like crying. <laughs> like, it's so beautiful. So, what this song does to me, you could not know. It is my. I have a little taste of it, but I understand that I don't, that we all have our thing. Bono says he calls it a love song. I stand by the fact that love is complicated, love doesn't have to be all rainbows and flowers so when he says something's a love song i don't dive into silly love songs you know he calls it a meditation on commitment he also says that it's clearly about a younger version of myself and my relationship with ali it takes a huge generosity of spirit to be around somebody who is in the position i'm in who can expose you if you're a very private person so it just sounds very complicated to me. It to me sounds like it's a huge like he is exposing. Yeah. So I have to say I don't He's like exposing. I've never read Bono saying what my theory oh, of yeah, the song I know, is. Yeah. He said for I did see him say for with or without you that it was a conversation. Yes. Which is but way before I ever read that, I made that in my head that it is a conversation. I hear it as a conversation and all I want is you is the exact same conversation. I guess I wanna ask Bono that yeah. over cake and whiskey. Yeah. Um I just I love the phrase. I love that he says meditation on commitment. Because when yeah. you meditate 
you can really dig into things and you find the ins and outs of it. And commitments are the most complicated relationship you may ever have. Which is why it's such a big deal that I commit to All I Want Is You as being my favorite U2 song. It's true. (laughs) So here's a super duper fun fact. So the string arrangement at the end was written by Van Dyke Parks, my husband's best friend and the man who also married us, you know, Bill. When I met Bill, he was the reverend at a church in a little town in Ohio, and the his boss was Reverend Parks, who is the brother of Van Dyke Park. Oh, shit. Yeah. Isn't that fucking crazy? That is so crazy. That you need to tell Bono over whiskey and cake. Yeah. And Van Dyke Parks, I mean, he's famous. He's, mm-hmm. it's not like someone who came out of nowhere. There's a comment that I missed from a while ago, but it it has this in common. Yeah. So Bono said Heartland is one of their only actual love songs. Okay. But is it a love song to America? Yeah. There's no, there's nothing you need to like contemplate. It's just love. And I get that. You know, there's nothing heart wrenching in Heartland where when you listen to All I Want Is You, that's, you know, a painful love song. Yeah. And yes, this is one of Edge's favorite songs off this album. All I Want Is You? Yeah. Oh, there's more to that Bono quote. Oh, there's so much about Ali in here. I'm just going to pick this one apart. He says, continuing, that's a song about commitment, really. I don't think being married to someone is so easy, but I'm interested in the idea of marriage. I think it's a madness, but it's a grand madness. I don't like the idea of America. Yeah, right? He says, Ali... Most private person, she's just impossible to know. And she doesn't want to be known, which is the intriguing thing about her. As a performer who attempts to connect with audiences all the time, I'm fascinated by people who are not interested in other people's opinion of them. I mean, she's got to be a freaking saint to be married to him at all, much less all these years. Hey there, listeners. If you're a U2 fan, you are more than likely aware of the work that Bono has done and continues to do in Africa. It's amazing work, and the exciting thing is you can get involved too. There are two simple ways. One, go to one.org and sign up to fight against extreme poverty. Two, visit red.org to shop. What? Shopping helps? It sure does. By purchasing red branded products, you are contributing to the Global Fund, which supports HIV AIDS grants in many African countries. As your man says, where you live should not decide whether you live or whether you die. So head on over to one.org and red.org to join the Garden Tarts in doing our part to end AIDS. I have some kind of little end notes. Okay. Two little end notes. Edge was asked if Under a Blood Red Sky was the end of YouTube Part 1, is Rattle and Hum the end of YouTube Part 2? And he said, I'd like to think it was the end of YouTube's exploration of America, but I honestly don't think it is. There's more there for us. I think there might be another record, at least before we get into other things. Bono was asked the same thing, and he said, Yeah, we might have a full stop to come. It's just about there. Maybe we'll release a single 
or something that will finish it. Huh. <laughs> Stupid. Spoiler I remember those being more iconic. We all know that at the end of this tour, Bono gave the Dream It All Up Again speech, which he and, also gave at the end of the war tour. <laughs> and he also gave it at the end of, I don't know, but it, was it this? He said, it'll be a while before we're back or something. Oh, like, he just did be, it at the end of he did, Experience he did and it, Innocence. Yes, he did in Connecticut. He said, well, it'll be a while before we're back. And then he also said, well, and then he said it at the very last show in Berlin. Right. And everyone freaked the fuck out. Yeah. But I and mean, we thought, this is the cycle. It is. <laughs> you know, so I say they have these trilogies. And this is absolutely the end of the trilogy that started with Unforgettable Fire. Yes. Without a doubt. Um, and so, I mean, I'm so excited about the next trilogy because you know it's my that's, favorite that's my grown-up heart there is uh Aksung baby Zuropa, and pop i finished all this round on home research about a week or so ago and listeners if you haven't heard this we while we're on this project we're not allowed to skip ahead we have to stick with an album until we're done with it and i kept trying to convince myself but i finished the research can i listen to the next album yet <laughs> Here's the thing that you listeners might not get also is that we've been listening to the freaking Joshua Tree songs for so many months now. And it wasn't just the songs, but it was then we were talking about the tour as it was happening and now Rattle and Hum. And it's, you know, probably my favorite U2 album. And I cannot wait to put it behind me because. Oh, my God. You know, so it's kind of like how on E and I you two didn't play any Joshua Tree songs. I need that cleanse. Like I don't want to hear anything Joshua Tree for a very long time. We have been talking Joshua Tree since November. Three months of straight up Joshua Tree. And that was after being immersed in the Joshua Tree tour in America. <laughs> right. It's just like so much overload. So I don't think I'm waiting until tomorrow morning. I think as like I brush my teeth tonight, <laughs> as I prepare for bed. I don't think I'll sleep if I put it on. It'll wake me up too much. God, I cannot wait. I was so excited. I'm going to drown in Octon Baby for like. I'm so excited. I'm going to go in sensory overload. I think I am. The thing about that is, like, the idea of, like, listening to Octung Baby and then putting it away, it just sounds so compelling to me <laughs> because we couldn't do that with Joshua Tree. No. But I remember when we did Unforgettable Fire, we both made a comment that we were kind of sad to be done with it, to move on, yeah. because we were just so enjoying listening to it. But that was, like, two weeks. <laughs> Right. I, I, right. Exactly. I'm I'm so looking forward to tomorrow morning and a brand new day. Part of the reason I wonder why I love listening to Rattle and Home so much is because I love listening to the songs that aren't on the Joshua Tree. Right. <laughs> Maybe you might be right because Maybe I mean, that's why I love Hawk, Hawk Moon so much. Because right? we said it. We just literally just said how excited we were to move on from the movie <laughs> um, i don't know so i think our next huge undertaking is going to be pop yeah. i think we'll have smooth sailing through octum baby and Zuropa. i think octum baby well we kept saying that like 
we thought that Joshua Tree was the beast, but that Octon Baby would be like the mammoth. Yeah. But I think after all of this, Octon Baby is going to be a piece of cake. I think it is, too. Okay, so I did see a quote that Edge said. I think it was Edge. I don't know. I keep giving Edge all <laughs> the credit for these quotes. But he referred to Rattle and Hum as a juggernaut, which was <laughs> one of my 10th grade vocab words, which means inescapable force. <laughs> I was just recently listening about your 10th grade vocab words, and I was Thank reminded you, about jargon. Jargon. Slander. <laughs> I can't believe Slander you remember this. Ba- so let me just tell you, Miss Ballard, who I thought was a horrible woman, and when I look back, she taught me everything. She taught me how to write. She taught me everything. Like, she was the best teachers ever. I just... I love it. I didn't like her. At the time, I didn't know what I was learning from her. But holy crap, that was many. You're still using those words. I am. I. She was my teacher t- 30 years ago. That is crazy. And I still know those words. I rem- I mean, we read Ethan Frome. I remember everything from her freaking class. Kids, if you're listening, don't sell your teachers short because one day you might realize the best things in the world you might use those words in your podcast or whatever is you know happens 30 years from now right well this salad is really 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 dead by now (laughs) i'm sorry she was a very old lady 30 years ago (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry miss ballard you were a wonderful lady and i was not it's so should we mention that it's 1.20 in the morning, and we've recorded these episodes back-to-back with multiple glasses of whiskey. <laughs> and, like, a half a flask of screwball. screwball. My alarm's going to go off in, like, four and a half hours. I know. I'm t- I'm, I have a... Five and a half? I lost math. I have a juggernaut of a day. And a juggernaut of a week. But oh my gosh, we did this. It's been so long. And we did, did it. it. Oh my God. So we're going to remind y'all to go to thegardentarts.com and sign up for our newsletter and to send us questions to answer in a future podcast. You can ask us anything and everything, and we reserve the right to answer nothing. So here's also, <laughs> right, absolutely, we might not answer, we might just not even acknowledge that you asked us a question, but we probably will and say, I'm just not answering that. I'm just not answering uh, But you still get your shout out. So also, you know what? What do you think our favorite song is going to be from Octung Baby, listeners? Because I actually don't have an answer to No, I do. I take that back. I do have a clear winner in that. Oh, I don't know if I do. I have a clear winner. I forgot that because when I made commitments to songs like five years ago or so, I picked this. I might be able to pick a favorite, but I'll, it'll take a listen to commit. I have a favorite. And let me just say, it's no secret at all. I was going to say, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> But I have another song on that album that was the song that turned me on to you two. And I have another song on that album that is a live request. It's like an end-all, be-all live request. So so I know what those songs are. You just might. I think I do. I would not be surprised. We've also talked, I think we've talked about them on here. I'm pretty sure. One of them's obvious. 
to you. I think we're done. I think we're done. Thank oh you. My gosh. I have another Bye. question for Bono over whiskey and Kate. And I want to know when he and Edge went and got their ears pierced, did they decide to go do it together? Did they decide at the same time to get like the second piercing without getting the first? I wonder that too. I got my ears pierced when I was 10 years old. And I don't know, I, I didn't know anything then, but I regret the fact that my piercing is lower in my ear because as you age, you lose elasticity. Yes. And I have a hard time wearing earrings because I feel like they like droop a little bit. Okay. So whoever the genius was to give them that second hole that was so high, pure genius. I can't wear giant earrings because I just feel like they look dumb because... I love I it. Well, I was got one normal one on one side and the other side tie her up. And it was just recently, I was at Garden Tart Amanda's house and we were watching videos. And she was like, what the fuck? When did he get that piercing so high? And I was like, all of time. He and Edge must have done it together. And I also like decided that I was a little jealous that that just looks really kind of cool. Yeah. To have like a second well, piercing and not a first. <laughs> right. If I had it to do over again, I mean, I wouldn't do the second piercing, but I would definitely go do higher on the lobe. Higher up on my lobe. Isn't that so funny, though? They must have done it together. They must have. Because it's maybe they like just Maybe they just pierce each other's ears. Do you know what they totally the fuck did? And Larry's like, fuck this. Sure, we're getting this in the center. Right. Larry's is perfect. <laughs> right. And Adam says, You're all crazy. They're like walking Maybe down the Maybe the three of them got in a and line. And they found like a needle. <laughs> and they're like, What do we do with this? And they like lit it on fire first to like sterilize it. Oh my gosh. Or do you think they went to like the Irish version of Claire's? Maybe. <laughs> I got mine done at a jewelry store in Hampton, right across from the Coliseum, called Olay. Mm-hmm. And it is Ooh. now defunct. But look, I would like to say in, in another product placement, I've had a fit my whole life with earrings. For some reason, like my ears want to reject earrings. Mm-hmm. And very recently, I found these earrings called comfy ears, comfy earrings or something like that. And I'm obsessed with them. They have round backs. Oh, would you send me info on that? Because Miss Sadie has trouble with earrings. Oh my God, yes. They are the best thing ever. I'm going to, we're going to hashtag them somewhere because yeah. I'm totally obsessed with it. And, and again, like I have a second hole. It's never healed that I got in like 1987. And every so often I re-pierce it, but then it hurts. And like, I'm like, it's just one. I have two holes on one ear and one on the other. So why do I even need that? Right. So I kind of gave up on it. And then I discovered these comfy earrings. If we could go back real quick, I do have one other question over whiskey and cake. And I hate that this is so far into the episode. There are obviously songs on here that they love. Like they play like Desire and Angel of Harlem and stuff. They, I read that both Edge and Bono, I think, said profess their love in some research I had for Hawk Moon. Like, do they miss them? Do they wish they could find a way to fit them in? I mean, that's a good question. They do have control over that. Right. But that's my plea. I have a plea for Hawkman. You aren't alone. But so my, what did I say? Oh, my bucket list is, and I said this way back when we recorded War, but my two bucket list songs are Like a Song and Hawkman. And mine was, is Two Hearts 
Vita's one, and then there's one from Octum Baby. Then it's not never to talk heard. about yet. I have never heard it live in person. Okay. I have heard bootleg of it. Okay. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay. I think we should bid all of you a good night. Yes. And hopefully we'll be back uh, sooner than later, barring illness and... Getting these edited. <laughs> life interferences. Because I can't take Octon Baby notes till I have these edited. I will listen with abandon. Yeah. Yay, tomorrow morning. Yes. First I'm going to queue it up on my iPhone. You're going to um, have it, your smart device wake you up with your station? <laughs> I'm, I am going to do it. I'm going to get her to do that for me. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I don't have a smart device in my bedroom. You Child could do it on in my bed phone. right now, so I don't think she would appreciate the 6 a.m. wake-up call. No. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. I'm totally going to set my my alarm I'm to like, that. Thank you. I'm having all okay. kinds of, like, feelings inside. <laughs> what a great way to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did that pretty well. That's a perfect impression. <laughs> this was great. I'm so glad we did this, and I'm so glad we're finished. Good. Thank you guys for listening. Good night, Joshua Tree, and all things associated with it. We'll see you again when okay. the stars fall from the sky. And the mood turns red over one tree. One tree hill. Good night. Good night. Good night, y'all. We hope to hear from you soon. We'll correspond. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Also, we love hearing from people and chatting with people. And of course, we love talking you too. So you can drop us a line on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore garden tarts. Or you can even email us at wearethegardentarts at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you would share it with your other YouTube loving friends, as well as leave a review for us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We would really, really love that. May your music be loud and your whiskey be strong. Until next time, cheers.